1: To the silver screen. Welcome back, listeners, to the seventh installment in our Denis Villeneuve movie review series. Today, we are reviewing Sicario. This is your co-host, Corbin. And I'm Alan. We just reviewed Enemy last week, and then the week before that, we reviewed the brand new Candyman film. We reviewed all four films in the Candyman series. You're not going to want to miss those. Those made for a very interesting conversation. So go ahead and check that out. Of course, we have reviewed all of the Denis films leading up to Sicario, and we're reviewing all the rest of them leading up to the release of Dune. Coming in just a little bit. I am pumped. I'm hyped for Dune. I cannot wait. And before we get too far into the podcast, make sure to check down below I'm actually attaching my original written review when I first saw the film in 2018. You can read that review. Of course, we have timestamps if you're ready to jump into the podcast, links to all of our different pages, our Patreon page. You're not going to want to miss some great content over there. Make sure to follow me and Alan on Letterboxd, and there's tons of other great stuff down there for you to check out.
0: Well, after coming out of uh, Enemy, I got to say, Corbin, I was pretty excited for this one. I don't know about you, but. How, when did you, you said that you watched this for the first time in 2018, right?
1: That is correct. I, I watched it on 9/11 uh, in 2018. I didn't plan on watching it on 9/11. That was just a coincidence. So that's the first time I saw it, which was a couple of years after the movie had come out. I'm i had I had heard it was it uh, very much talked about. I just had never gotten around to seeing it.
0: I'm trying to remember when the first time I watched it was. I was definitely in college. That I that I know. Um, I think it was closer to when it had released. I want to say because I don't remember exactly when I watched it, but I know it was before 2018. I definitely didn't get a scene in the theater. What do did What do these trailers make you think? Are you ready to come back to the D, or did the trailer maybe push you away from uh, maybe this the installment? What do you What do you think? So what do you think of them?
1: See, that's kind of the funny thing is because. I loved Prisoners. I, I'm i pretty sure I saw it like twice in the same week. It was either that or 10 Cloverfield Lane. I think they came out around relatively the same time. I don't remember. I just remember loving Prisoners. And I was, uh, once again, I still just didn't have much recognition of the name Denis Villeneuve at this point. I had no idea who he was. And in these trailers, they do frequently say from Denis Villeneuve, the uh, creator of Prisoners. Mm-hmm. And I, I'll i be honest, Alan, I do not remember seeing these trailers at all. I have very, very vague memories of, oh, yeah, I remember that was coming out. And I remember when they made a sequel to the film, but I think the creative team involved wasn't behind the sequel. So these trailers, while the trailers do possibly give away key scenes, I think they're out of context enough not to spoil too much. It looks like a purely action driven movie, whereas it is a pulse pounding movie. It's much more of a dramatic driven film. It still looks good. I would see it eventually, but maybe not in theaters. Also, I had just graduated from college about four months prior. So I had a lot more important things on my mind, you know, getting out in the world than going to see this movie. So this movie was there and gone. And ultimately, I don't remember where I watched it. Um, actually, I think I could look it up real quick. So surprisingly enough, I rented Sicario from the library and the other movie as well. It's a free way to watch movies. So I picked it up and checked it out.
0: I'm with you. I don't really remember these trailers. It's possible that I didn't even watch them. I know I heard a lot of really good things when it came out. And yeah, I want to say it was probably close to 2016, probably even 2017 by the time I actually got around to watching it. I don't exactly remember. Um, but I remember liking it a little bit at the, when I first watched it. And then when I watched it again later, I was very like taken away by it. Um, but watching the trailers now, I, I think you're right, Corbin. This does make it seem more of an action movie. Um, but at the same time, you know, how do you market a movie like this? You know, uh, it's very much mm-hmm. a different genre than what's kind of projected on the trailers. Um, so, I mean, if I saw the name Denis Villeneuve and I had prior knowledge, uh, more than I did at the time of Denis Villeneuve, I'd be, in, I'd be in the theater. I would be there like opening weekend. Cause I'm at this point, I'm, I'm in to see anything of his at the time. You know, I didn't really know the name, uh, when it came out. So I didn't really you know, wanted. I didn't really care to see the theaters, and I didn't. Either way, I think you're right. These trailers do kind of make it make it seem like an action film, which it isn't exactly. Which at the same time, again, how do you market something like Sicario to a mass public? I think that's kind of what they're going for.
1: This is my second time seeing the movie. How many times have you seen this movie?
0: I think three times. Three. I want to say okay. three, three or four times, maybe. It's just been a while since I've actually watched it. I, I've only been on Blu-ray for about a year or two. I got it for Christmas, but I haven't watched it for a number of years.
1: Well, listeners, if you have not seen Sicario and you don't want the film spoiled for you, go ahead and click pause right now. It is readily available for you to check out, unlike some of Denny's earlier films. So go ahead and click pause. Go ahead and check out the film. Go watch it and then come back here and click play. And we'll be ready to talk about it.
0: Well, I'm currently staring at a wall of text that is this uh, plot summary.
1: It's steep. It's, it's very tangled. Good, yeah. good luck. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I guess I know what it feels like. Uh, it's finally your turn. Uh, yeah,
0: uh, I guess This is, it is payback
1: for me having to do tenant earlier this year.
0: <laughs> Kate Mercer and Reggie Wayne are FBI agents who raid a home in Arizona as owned by a man named Manuel Diaz, a member of the cartel. On their raid, they discover a body stuffed in the walls along with an explosive booby-trap in the shed. Later, Kate is called into a boardroom where she is asked to join a special team to continue investigating the cartel. She agrees and is soon on her way to Juarez, Mexico with Matt Graver and his stoic partner Alejandro. Their mission is to escort Guillermo, Diaz's brother, from Juarez into America for information about the cartel. However, this escort mission begins to go south of the border. A couple of suspicious cars are in heavy traffic and are taken out by the team before they speed away once the congestion clears. Guillermo tells Matt and Alejandro about the drug tunnels in Nagala, Sorona that lead into Arizona. After Reggie joins his team, it is revealed that the real reason for nabbing Guillermo and hunting for info on the cartel is to cause enough commotion that Diaz is called back to Mexico to see his boss, Fusto Alacran. Knowing where Alacron is will give the team leverage on the cartel. The team freezes Diaz's bank accounts. Kate and Reggie try to make a case against Diaz for his dirty money, but they are told not to interfere with Matt's operation. An exhausted Kate and Reggie decide to head to the bar for a break where they meet some new friends. After a night of drunken dancing, Kate takes Ted, one of Reggie's friends, home with her. Come to find out, Ted is actually a member of the cartel sent out to take out Kate, saved just in time from Alejandro. The team learned that Diaz has been called to Mexico and make a quick plan to raid the tunnels. Kate and Reggie also learned why they were needed. For the CIA to operate within US borders, they need a domestic agency attached. Reggie suggests that they walk away, but a now interested Kate wants to learn more. So they suit up and join the team in the tunnels. On the other side, Kate sees Alejandro take a cop named Silvio captive, who is delivering drugs when he was caught. Kate returns to the team who have since cleared the tunnels and punches Matt saying that their operation is indeed illegal. Matt quickly overpowers her and says it would be a bad idea if she spoke, and reveals that Alejandro is a man who will work for anyone, especially after his family was killed by the cartel. Alejandro catches up with Diaz by way of Silvio. He murders the cop and uses Diaz to gain access to Alacrón's home, where he finds him and his family eating dinner. Alacrón says it was nothing personal when he finds out why Alejandro is here. It is to me, Alejandro responds, and he shoots his two sons and his wife before killing the big boss himself. Back in the US, Alejandro threatens Kate to sign the paper, saying that all the actions were done legally, despite her opposition. Meanwhile, back in Nogales, we see Silvio's wife and son at a soccer game as gunshots can be heard in the distance. The end.
1: That's a good job of telling the entirety of the story. Like I said, there's a lot to this movie, and they do a really good job of containing it within a two hour runtime, I would say. Yeah. My biggest shock is I keep, I always forget this did not get nominated for best uh, original screenplay that would be his next film hell or high water he would get the academy award nomination i gotta say i think it's a real shame this movie didn't get a nomination at the very least for screenplay i think it's a very well written story i
0: agree um it is unfortunate that you know it didn't get screenplay uh this year what did get screenplay now that i'm wondering
1: Probably something that didn't deserve it.
0: So I guess for screenplay, Spotlight, Bridge of Spies, Ex Machina, Inside Out, and Straight of Compton were all runners for uh, getting Best Original Screenplay. Uh, Spotlight ended up walking away with it. I could definitely see it on this list. Sicario, I could definitely see it being nominated.
1: Yeah, that is a real shame. But one of the first things that I, one of the things that I just, is unforgettable about this movie is the very beginning. Mm -hmm. Once, I mean, honestly, this opening has all the excitement of a Christopher Nolan movie, I would say, where it immediately starts – well, let's be clear. The first thing is actually a title card, which I totally forgot about, whereas Sicario is derived from the Jerusalem culture of the Zealots in the Roman days, and they were um, hitmen that would take out the Roman soldiers – Whereas now it's kind of been adapted into Mexican culture and Sicario means hitman. Um, That was a very fascinating um, kind of little piece of historical background there. But getting into the actual movie, they are in the SWAT van. It's this POV shot where they drive straight into this house. And this sets up something very unique that I had never quite really thought about before. They really depict the war on drugs, the war with the cartel, as a legit war. It's just as intense as the Iraq War, all these wars in the Middle East. They drive in there. They are shooting automatic weapons. They are taking them out. And then you'll – I never forget it, the bodies in the wall, how they stuff right. all the bodies in the wall. And then – the um, shed in the backyard blows up and it's like, yeah, this is just like an IED that you would find um, in one of the Middle Eastern countries where we've been fighting wars. You realize you are in for a real intense experience. It's just an incredible opening. Right.
0: No, I absolutely agree. Uh, this is, You brought up no one. And I always had that feeling watching, at least in this opening, there is a lot of feeling of no one-esque uh way of filming this kind of action uh it's very subdued compared to what nolan would really do um so it's Mm kind of weird to compare it to him but there is some of that nolan feel here it's just it goes a lot darker it's not as uh not as i guess flashy as what you know something that he would do that aside uh you are right this opening is very much unforgettable you kind of get what you're going in for pretty early on because it's not a movie that's going to be um very uh lighthearted, I guess. Uh, which is about <laughs> standard for Denis at this point. Um, this is yeah. nothing out of the ordinary no. <laughs> for him. He's always gonna be looking to show more of the depravity of man. Uh and we get that mm-hmm. pretty early on here when we find the bodies in the wall. It's not done yet. We also have a booby trap in the in the shed. Uh we get a feeling pretty early on that you're right, it is very much a war, but we also get to see how, you know, it's affect how it affects some people um, mostly our main characters uh, of Reggie and Kate um, because of what they find in the walls, but also, you know, kind of what they're going up against, you know, this, the drug cartel in this movie and how it's and how it's depicted is very much uh, on the ruthless side and they have to deal with that in the most legal way that they possibly can. So you're right. This opening is very, really pulls you in. And I remember watching it um, for the first time. I was like, whoa, uh, for a Denis yeah. film,
1: it's, Way different than what we've seen before. It really is. And I think it also does a great job of unsettling us as Americans because this bomb goes off um, north of the border. It goes off on U.S. territory and it shows this isn't really this is real. This isn't something to be trifled with. Um, Two officers lost their lives in this thing. It is highly intense and very scary. And. I find that very interesting because that seems to give the green light to um, Josh Brolin's character, Matt, and Benicio Del Toro's character, Alejandro. You come to find out very late in the movie that they are working for the CIA. The CIA is counterintelligence, which is supposed to be foreign operations, not domestic operations, but you come to find out they can run domestic operations if they have um, because they actually have the FBI, that's what the SWAT team is, the FBI attached to them, coming to realize that they've just been using Kate to do operations they normally really shouldn't be doing. And uh, this um, this explosion essentially gives them the green light to start running these operations and treat it like a real war. And, you know, uh, the white gloves come off after this point. I do think it's also a great setup of the characters right here in the beginning of the film. We have Kate played by Emily Blunt, who does a fantastic job of a character who's constantly in crisis. She knows what needs to be done, but she's not sure if it necessarily. Well, let me rephrase that. No, no. She's not sure if it should be done, if it could actually be done all of these things. She is a Mm -hmm. great POV character that we follow throughout it. And then Josh Brolin's character, he's really chill but we have no idea what is going on with him. I actually completely forgot. Um, Daniel Kaluuya was in this. He was a great surprise to see coming back in here in this movie. Yeah, and then of course I think Emily Blunt, while she may steal the show, I think Benicio del Toro steals the show for me of all the characters. He is a fantastic hitman type guy. You never he's not American. Does he work for the Colombians? What does he actually do? I think these characters are very fascinating that gets set up here in the beginning of the movie.
0: Yeah, this is a very character-driven story once it really gets into it. Uh and you're right. Our main character, she's kind of thrown around the whole movie it feels like. Uh she's never really given any clear answers. She's always asking questions. She's always kind of in the wrong place at the wrong time it feels like. Uh but She's there to learn, is apparently what she's been told. She's there to learn. Of course, she finds out late that the reason, real reason why she was there is because the CIA needs somebody uh to actually help to be their a domestic force so they can actually run their operations legally. Uh, but you get to see with her character, you know, and this kind of gets into the a lot more Denis uh aspects of it of when at the end of the story, you know, at first she's totally against when she starts to learn more about what they're doing, she becomes more and more against what you know what they're really about, uh, which is that they're really, that Matt and Alejandro are willing to skirt the legal line as much as they can uh, to get done what they need to get done, right? And once we really fully see that uh, with Kate, she all of a sudden changes her mind and she's like, I need to know more. Like, and that's right before they go yeah. to raid the tunnels. Uh, it's an interesting idea, and we'll talk about it maybe here in a second, but I think the character of Kate is, you know, while she is thrown around the whole movie, you're right, she's a very much uh, the best lead-in that we would have. And it's kind of interesting because you mentioned Benicio Del Toro um, and how he's, you know, probably the most standout character to you. I, I feel like in a different movie uh, done by a director who is, I guess, more Hollywood than what Denis is... The main character would have been Alejandro, uh, not Kate, because Alejandro has a grudge. Alejandro has a reason to go after the drug cartel, uh, but Kate really doesn't. Kate's just kind of along for the ride, and it's kind of interesting that Denise decides to focus on Alej- not focus on Kate rather than focus on Alejandro, uh, where, mm-hmm. again, I feel like most movies would probably take the story.
1: The way I see it is Kate... Or I should say Alejandro is what Kate could become because Alejandro used to be a lawyer and now he is really crossing the line in a lot of ways that probably shouldn't be crossed. Kate says, I'm not a soldier. That was illegal. She's like, we can't be doing this. But as we see the story progress, Daniel um, Kaluuya's character keeps saying Just leave it. Let's just pull out. We do not need to be a part of this. This isn't what we signed up for. And Mm -hmm. he is the lawyer. He actually went to law school. So he is very much on the side of the law. He sees it all as black and white. He does not want to be involved with these, you know, gray area activities. But further and further, she she just keeps being pulled in. And she says, no, I have to know what this was all for. And I think that kind of leads to this Addicting driven mindset of Alejandro, where he will do whatever it takes at all costs. We see him shoot the wife and children of the man that murdered his family right in front of them, which is really horrible and really dark. But ultimately, it's just purely about, I I would say at that point, it's just become purely about revenge. Whereas Mm -hmm. the US doesn't care if it's about his personal revenge. It does help them you know, win further in the war on drugs. Um, So, I think that's probably, honestly, one of my favorite aspects of this movie is the relationship between Kate and Alejandro. And Alejandro is constantly saying, you remind me of someone, you remind me of my daughter that was right. taken from me. And that's what makes it all the more heartbreaking at the end when he puts the gun up under her chin and says, sign this. He's like, I, I don't care about what you think is right and wrong. You need to sign this. And then she points the gun at him and nearly shoots him, but she won't. Um great character dynamics going along here between these two. That's honestly what I really care about in this movie is I love to see where their characters are going.
0: Yeah. Alejandro and Kate are very uh they're they're complete opposites, especially in the beginning, uh mm-hmm. where Kate is very oh, yeah. much on the side of, you know, doing good and following the law. Uh Alejandro, not necessarily that same way, right? And it's interesting because with the character of Kate, you know, she, she, of course, is fighting. She's kind of in the middle of this fighting match of legality, it feels like, because once Reggie enters the picture, you know, then he like really wants to know what's going on and, like, demands that, you know, he they get answers or they walk away. Um, so we have Kate kind of in the middle of these two parties where, you know, Matt and Alejandro are willing to skirt the system. They're willing to do anything that they can. To you know, finish the job, which is the war on drugs. Where you, whereas you have uh, Reggie, who's on the other side, who is wanting to do it the right way, right? Uh, and because of what they, now what they saw in the beginning, is definitely what leads into Kate's character and her eventual, I guess, change there towards the end, uh, and how now that she's seen what happens in the beginning, and then also. No, now that she's followed Matt and Alejandro, maybe they have a point. Maybe, you know, there's something about skirting the system. There's something about going beyond what you really should be doing in order to finish what should be done. You know, do the ends justify the means in the situation? So for me, I see it as, you know, for a movie like this. It has a couple, it's it's very much Denis, right? Where no one really is the good guy in this movie, no one's really the good <laughs> mm-hmm. guy, no one's really the bad guy when the story's all said and done. Because when we finished the movie, you know, while Matt and uh, Alejandro and also Kate, I guess, while they did were able to take out Alacrón, take out the big boss, you know, we did also follow Suvio, uh, where we get to see how he has his normal life. He's a cop, uh, he might not be doing something very good, um, but he still has a family and with the family gone or with the, with the father gone and with other gone, it's be- Al has become a much more, much more dangerous place to live. And so it kind of has, you know, which way do we go here? What's the answer here? What's, what is the real, uh, What's the real solution to this problem, I think, is what Denise's is definitely trying to hearken in on. That question of what's the real answer to the war on drugs.
1: And I think he really brings in his background working with incendies, showing the personal fallout it takes on these characters across generations. Because you, as as you brought up with the cop in Mexico, his son is left without a father all for nothing. It's not like he left him any money, any drug money, or any legacy whatsoever. He, all the son ever wanted was to just spend time with his dad. And then we also see Kate is probably going to have some severe trust issues now, after she gets um nearly choked to death by John Berthol's character. And I really do love how this movie mirrors a lot of these characters. Um Literally, we see The father and son sitting on a bed and then the next shot is a shot of Kate in the mirror sitting there as well, except she's alone. And just kind of how this is really taking a very personal toll. It's easy. I mean, it's easy to look at the big picture, kind of what Josh Brolin does. And he says, you know, we're not here to necessarily end the war on drugs. We're here to control it. And then you do see the personal fallout it takes on all of these characters and how it just ruins these people's lives. People that are trying to do the right thing and innocent people as well. And then, of course, just the complete loss of humanity with Alejandro's character and the uh, wife and children who are completely innocent that he just Mm. takes out for his own personal revenge. There's so much loss of humanity that it really just makes you think. And I got to say, this is a very much a thinking movie. It's not just a pure action movie whatsoever. You are constantly engaged in... What is the right thing? Because he says, um, Matt says to Kate, he says, you want to get the people that did this, don't you? And she says, yeah. And he said, okay, well, this is how we do it. This is just what it takes. He's like, you got to be willing to get your hands dirty, essentially. Um, right. Very much a thinking movie, which I, I really appreciate that I'm thinking about this the whole time. Not just um painting the cartel as bad, but it also does call into question... The US's motives and activities, whether they're, doesn't, maybe they are the right thing to do, but that doesn't necessarily mean they're the moral thing to do.
0: Right. Yeah, exactly. And we really get to see that with, I think, the character of Alejandro, right? And we've already already talked, kind of already talked about him before, but we get to see that, you know, he's a very much a mysterious character, right? He's the secret weapon to actually take out the cartel we were told early on, and we already we already mentioned this, that Alejandro, he will do basically anything that you want, um, so long as he can get his hands on the, on Alakron. so long as he can get his hands on the big boss, the person who killed his family, that's all he cares about, right, that's the only thing that, that's the only goal of his, is to get to him, right, and that makes him kind of dangerous, because he's, a, again, we don't, We, the audience, don't know much about him. Not really anybody seems to know much about him outside of maybe Matt, kind of. Uh, We find, we see pretty early on that, you know, he is very much a born kind of like character where he's out for revenge. He's out for, he has a lot of set of, big set of skills, very quiet, very stoic and scary at the same time, right? Because of all of his skills. So it's interesting that, you know, we get to see how America or in this case Matt uh and his department they go for a force that they don't really fully understand it seems like to get what they're going for to to control you know the cartel, which is another thing in this movie is there's a big theme here of control, uh that especially with Matt and more more especially with Alejandro, but also like the hierarchy of control from Manuel Diaz to Alicron, to down to Silvio, you know, there's a lot of, uh, again, a lot of the big theme here of control, you know, if you have control of the people, or you have control of the system, then you can do a lot more damage.
1: Yeah, and there also is the addicting factor of control. The war seems to be just as addicting as the drugs. They don't seem to mm-hmm. necessarily want to resolve it through Cause Kate is also very much by the book, but then she becomes a little gray as well. And there's also fascinating because as you said, control is could be a good thing and it could be a bad thing. Um, there is once again, kind of these mirroring, you know, sequences or character actions when Ted is choking Kate out and he's holding her down and he's, he's telling her to stop, stop. And then when Kate comes out of the tunnels and she punches him, he also hits her and holds her down, telling her to stop. We're thinking Matt's the good guy and Ted's the bad guy, but we come to realize that they're both just using her for their own purposes. And nobody is really good in this movie. People think they're doing the right thing. Both, both Mm -hmm. of these guys think they're doing the right thing, but for completely different reasons. And Kate, unfortunately is just kind of caught in the middle and she gets constantly used by both sides. Which leaves her probably completely disillusioned as to the whole situation. Um, And I think uh, during the scene at the end when Alejandro is talking with the drug kingpin. And the kingpin says, where do you think we learned this from? Where do you think we learned these tactics from and all this stuff? He's like, you know, we're just doing the same thing that you guys do. And at first I'm like, well, you know, we're doing it for the right reasons. But then... You know, you come to find out the mystery of Medellin, which is um, what Matt says is order is the best we can hope for. If we can't stop it, then we can control it. And that's when that's just a very kind of dark revelation of we're not really here to win. We're here to just be the conquerors of the situation. Um, Very shocking, to say the least. Right.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I love how this movie's climax is one that's kind of subdued. Uh, It's one that is not really out to be anything bombastic, but one to finally show, you know, how far Alejandro is willing to go. Uh, It's interesting that Denis went down this road. I remember when I first watched this movie, I felt like the ending was kind of meh. Uh, But watching it now, I feel completely the opposite because now we get to see, Mm -hmm. you know, Alejandro, I I guess his most purest form and we get to see, you know, how far and how unfortunate and how kind of depraved in some ways, you know, almost as it it feels like, you know, when, when we finally get to the ending here and we have Alejandro, there is a big question asked, like, you know, if even though Alejandro is working for what should be the good guy in the situation, you know, he's definitely taking out a lot of people. You know, he's definitely not uh, pulling any punches here. Is this really the guy we want to be like the savior or, you know, the person that takes out the drug cartel? When so we when he faces down Alacron face to face, there is that question of, okay, well, then who's better? Who Who's the better man here? Uh, of course, Alacron has a lot more, you know, dirt on his hands. But Alejandro has a lot more power, especially in this situation. You know, it really begs the, begs the question of in this situation, you know, and at the end of the story, who's the better person? And kind of in classic Denis, there's not really a good person at the end of the story here. Even Kate, who should have been, who was a main character and should have been, you know, the good, the good person, kind of isn't. She decides that, you know, a, a versus her life or doing the right thing. She chooses her life and signs the paper that everything yep. that they did was done legally. So it's yeah, you you brought it up and we've already talked about it a little bit, but yeah, there is definitely that question of, you know, at the end of the day, who's who's the real g- good person? What's the right thing to do in the situation? How do you handle the situation correctly? Is there a good is there a way to handle the situation correctly? It's very complex. It's not an easy subject.
1: Yeah, and that does bring up a surprising point is Kate ultimately either uh, willfully allowed herself to be used or at a certain point she crossed over and as she said with Daniel Kalu's character, she's like I'm going to f- I want to find out, I want to know what this is all for. Whereas we find out repeatedly uh, Matt Always says, I told you, you could stay here. Just as long as she's attached, she does not have to come along and participate. As long as she's there with just there, then they have the green light to do whatever they want. But nevertheless, she participates. She even kills a Mexican cop in self-defense, that is. But it still is striking when you're right. Um, She chooses her life. She is... A willing participant to let the corruption continue um i gotta say i i do i love the ending i love this final piece right here particularly also the way that it's shot um Mm -hmm. it's very cloudy outside there are no lights on inside the apartment and of course once again it mirrors the scene when alejandro saves her from being choked he's pointing the, the gun at ted now he's pointing the gun at her. He's saying that gun can just as easily go over to you if you're not, you know, willing to, you know, the ends justify the means here. Um, I love the writing also when he says, you should move to a small town where the rule of law still exists. You will not mm-hmm. survive here. You are not a wolf. And this is the land of wolves now. And it's so chilling. And she grabs the gun and runs out to shoot him. And he turns to face her saying, shoot me. Just shoot me if you want to but I know that you won't. And then she just starts, she cries and that's the finale of their characters, at least for this movie anyway. Right. Um Personally, I think that should have been the end. I think that should have been fade out, show Sicario, roll credits, but instead we do jump back down to Mexico and we get to have that lingering feeling there as well. Right.
0: You did bring up, uh, you did bring up you know, how this movie is shot, and we do have Roger Deakins back from Prisoners again, and uh, oh, classic yes. Denis, this movie looks absolutely amazing. Um, <laughs> there's nothing surprising <laughs> here. Uh, there are so a, a number of shots that really stick out to me. The, my Probably my absolute favorite is when they're heading into the tunnels, and it's the silhouettes of them up in their full gear mm-hmm. against the sunset, mm-hmm. um, and they're walking into the horizon, and they just kind of sink into the ground. Love, yeah. love that shot. Uh, that's the number one thing that sticks out to me when it comes to cinematography. So again, Roger Deakins, he's a master at what he does. He, this movie again, looks great. Again, classic Denis.
1: I'm so glad it did get nominated for cinematography. It completely mm-hmm. deserved it. I'm, uh, one of the other things I'm struck by is how they're able to capture the landscape as well, or even more so the industrial type feeling and buildings of it all. I feel like I am on the ground with them, that I'm going into these scenarios. There's such a realism to all of it that I think probably only Denis and Deacons could capture. Um, I'm thinking of when Kate and the soldier go up onto the roof, and it's just that really wide shot of them walking on the roof. And you just get to see all of the gorgeous clouds, mm-hmm. and you just get a real scope and sense of everything going on. I love the cinematography. When Kate um, walks out of the house in the beginning, and she can't really handle it, she, you know, she's kind of doubling over. She's so sick from the situation. Everything is so white and bright in the sequence, and you really just get the feeling of kind of the the shock, the oppressiveness, the the heat. It's just all so, you know, impending on everything. I love the cinematography. I will say two of my favorite scenes in this is my first favorite sequence is when they go into Juarez and yeah. it just shows it, it honestly kind of makes me feel like they're going into Skull Island or something. They're going into this really scary territory and you don't know what monsters are up ahead waiting for you. And it's just these um, shots of the black SUVs just going straight through the border as if there really is no border checkpoint for them. They just cross over at will whenever they want to. Um, The entire war sequence is extremely intense. And then when they have the shootout right there in public is crazy. And then, of course, going down into the tunnels. Once they go down into the tunnels and when they have the night vision goggles on, that's when you realize this isn't some turf war or drug war anymore. You, it feels like they're in Afghanistan or something. It feels like they're in Iraq with their night vision goggles right. on and they're having this war at night. That's when you realize she says, I'm not a soldier. She is now essentially a soldier fighting a foreign war going into these tunnels. Um, tunnel scenes are great, extremely intense. And then when Alejandro shoots Kate, I, I just can't even believe it. It's shocking.
0: Yeah, I absolutely agree. Uh, the m- number one scene that sticks out in my mind is the whole Juarez a- escort mission uh, that has always mm-hmm. stuck out to me as being really well done in terms of building to a pretty insane climax where they kill uh, a couple of carloads of people that may or may not have been, you know, actual threats. Uh, and then for me, honestly, the biggest scene that really sticks out to me is the final climax with Alejandro and Alacron. That's the other one that sticks out to me, oh, yeah. watching it again because of the way that it's shot. Yeah, for instance, when he shoots, when Alejandro shoots his family, uh, mm-hmm. you don't see them fall over. Yeah, you only see his hand, his his wrist move as he shoots them uh, and then you hear them fall over and the camera shakes a little bit as they hit the table. And then you, you see it a little bit later, it, it pulls out a little bit later, you know, and you do get see them on the ground, but. I love the way that you know that scene, especially is also shot, and um, and also going into the tunnels. I already mentioned it. My favorite shots of them is just like you know the silhouettes against the the horizon, and they just kind of sink into the ground. Like this is again great, and I'm so excited. Uh, we won't be reviewing it again, but I I will be like you, Corbin, returning to Blade Runner twenty forty nine because Roger Dickens oh, yeah. returns, and from when we re- <laughs> when we recorded it, that movie looked absolutely incredible. Uh, and yeah. I love that movie.
1: Yeah, it is fascinating that I think mostly this is Kate's movie, but I I think there is a case to be made that this is Alejandro's movie as well, because mm-hmm. there are times where we leave Kate and we go into Alejandro's point of view. Um, the most length of time we do that is once he does fully get into Mexico and he takes out the top cartel. Um yeah, it is interesting how we do kind of switch to him Um, and they're able to do it very well. Usually movies can't achieve that very well. I would say switching entirely to a different character and following them. Usually you follow just one character throughout the movie or side characters. But making his character so prominent and making it work, uh, I think that shows that they're in the comp- hands of very competent filmmakers in order to achieve following more than one character in this movie and making it work. Right. Um I got to also say what leads to the intensity is the music. And it did yep. get that Academy award nomination. Um the music when they're going into the tunnels or into Warez, it's it's very pulse pounding.
0: Johan Johansson, he actually just recently died in 2018, uh but oh, wow. he's definitely a composer that up until his death has been in a lot of really good stuff. This one also, you're right, the music does stick out. I know that they wanted to give the feeling of kind of being trapped uh, and being in danger uh, with Denis and uh, Johann Johannesson. Um, I did this to the score outside the movie. Uh, do yourself a favor and listen to, I think it's called Desert Music, I think is the name of the song. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Most of it is kind of just droning and whatnot, which is still good, like don't get me wrong. The whole, the score itself, all the way around is really good, but that one, Especially stuck out to me. Um, so, yeah, great score. I'm glad that we have Johan Johanneson on. He'll come back, I believe, in Arrival, if I'm not mistaken. Yes. So, yes, I'm excited will. to listen to yeah. Arrival's soundtrack. I listened to it once in the theater um, and I'm mm. excited to hear it again.
1: Now, I will say the one thing that doesn't really work for me in this movie is the police officer and his family. I understand the impact that they're trying to make. How, you know, even those that are trying to uphold the law still fall prey to crooked endeavors, and it does have deadly consequences. and he dies, leaving his family. That's the very end is that he will not be there to his to protect his family. And the one guy who should be protecting his family, the cop, is is actually just leading to more carnage and destruction. And yeah, I mean, I get it. It it is a chilling ending to watch these children just want to have fun and play their um, soccer game. And then they have the gunshots and they have to stop. And it it really is troubling. I just don't think it makes quite the impact they were going for. I personally really would have preferred um, them to just end the film with, and, and the police officer stuff is pretty much spread very far out throughout the movie. You're not really sure how it's even going to tie in until close to the end. I, w- I wanted the ending to be Kate crying on the balcony, um, Alejandro walking away, fade to black Sicario. It did kind of take me out of the movie a little bit to jump back down to Mexico. I'm curious on what you think of that, Alan.
0: Yeah, I guess I feel the opposite because, um, although I, I understand what you're talking, I understand what you're talking about uh, because I didn't really know what you know he had to do with Silvio and his family, what they had to do with, the, with anything. Um, it feels like you know when I was coming back to this and watching it for this review, I could not remember what Silvio, what what his character was there for. I knew he was there for something. I just could not remember like what role it played. Uh, I can remember is he is he he's not Diaz? he's not the top dog, is he? There's no way he's a top dog here. Uh, there were questions that I had about, you know, what exactly his role was. Uh, you learn at at first he's just a dad and he's going to work. Um, and then you come back to him later on, oh, he's a he's actually a cop. You come back to him later on. Oh, he's a corrupt cop who's, you know, also working for the cartel. So you kind of get to pick up and learn about his, about what, you know, what he does over the course of the movie. And then at the end of the story, he's killed by Alejandro, leaving his family kind of in a bit of a danger. So for me, I I actually like the way that this movie ends. Um, I like the way that, you know, we go from uh Kate and Alejandro having a discussion and she decides not to do the right thing. To the effects that they the effects that both of them had on Juarez and Silvio's family now that silvio is is gone, um I like it i I don't have a problem with it now that i'm now that I guess I understand what is going for. he's kind of solidifying you know now that we have attacked the war on drugs, was it worth it? you know, was what we did in this movie if we succeeded, is it really worth you know the all oh, what could have been happened to their families, even though they weren't doing the right thing. I think I like it. I don't have a problem with it, but I I understand what you're talking about.
1: So what you're trying to say is, is I, I guess I never really thought about it that way. Is we go through all of these really really horrible events and these people die and they kill the top top drug kingpin, but still in the end it didn't make Mexico a safer place. There's still that gunfire. There's still always that looming in the background that potent, that potential for violence, that gunfire. Is that what you're saying?
0: Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Yeah, it, it's not exactly like, you know, they took out the top dog. Uh, again, I, you know, at what costs, you know, what what is that going to solve at the end of the day? Is that really going to fix the problem? It doesn't, ha- it doesn't really land on an answer for, it's does, does it actually fix the problem?
1: Yeah, I, I, I guess I really hadn't thought about it like that. That is an interesting way to think about it. That does put it in a better context for me that we see north of the border, um, you know, the government is, you know, threatening U.S. citizens with death if they don't don't comply. And then south of the border, um, just because the one guy was taken out, there is still not really any actual peace or safety, which is interesting. So I get it. In some ways, it it does make sense to tie that back around to show both scenarios But in other cases, I feel like I needed a bit more of an emotional connection for that to resonate with me, or at the very least, maybe switch the two show the Mexico one first and then end with Kate, because that's where my emotional loyalties lie throughout the movie. Well, the only other thing that I did actually think was kind of fun is once again, writing is very good. There is a little bit of comedy in here. As with every Denis film, no matter how dark mm-hmm. it gets, there has to be something to just briefly lighten the mood. When they're um, they're going into Juarez and Matt and the guy that's driving the car with the glasses are talking. Um, they're talking about how the terrorists are now trying to take over Fiji. And the guy says, leave Fiji alone, terrorists. And then when they're driving through and they're hearing the gunshots, he says, those aren't firecrackers. So there, there's a little bit of brevity here in the movie.
0: Yeah, Denny always has to put in at least a little bit of something to not make it so
1: overbearing. Yeah, I I
0: mean it already is and he's already going for that but at least it helps a little bit.
1: You know and I really do like that, I think Nolan does try to do that sometimes. I'm not sure if it's to quite the same effect that Denny can weave that into the movie Mm -hmm. but I appreciate there's always something to kind of put a little smile on your face right before you know, everything hits the fan and and goes
0: bad, right? I mean, to yeah. be f- also to be fair, uh, Denis' films are not PG thirteen, so well, that is true. Uh, he does do a lot more darker stuff, so it's harder to keep it super lighthearted without starting to take away from the rest of the movie. Like, uh, you know, no one's films are always PG thirteen, so you can't go too far before uh, you go up a rating. So,
1: and I guess that is something else I appreciate about this movie. I think this movie absolutely needed to be rated R. I don't think they could have made this movie PG 13 and still had the same impact. So Denise always done rated R um, arrival. His next movie we're reviewing is his first PG 13. Curious to see Mm. how he'll handle a PG 13 movie. Um, I think he'll handle it appropriately, um, but clearly this needed to be rated R. um, Otherwise I don't think we could have got the same movie.
0: Oh, I'm absolutely with you. There's, I don't see how this couldn't have been rated R and not have the same effect. Uh, Yeah, absolutely.
1: Well, Alan, I'm very curious. What is your rating and recommendation for Sicario? So uh, like I mentioned last week
0: and also coming into this, you know, podcast, I mentioned that I was excited to get back into this because last time I watched it, I was really engrossed with Sicario. And the same thing happened again. Uh, in fact, even more so. I cannot think of honestly really anything negative about this film. It's a film that the more I watch it, the more I love it. Uh it has, of course, as we've been talking about, excellent cinematography, excellent music, uh, really interesting and, and engaging story. You know, that question of who's right at the end of the day is is here. Um, it may be a little bit more political for my taste, but I cannot think of really anything Bad or against it that I I don't like, Uh, and I just kind of want to go. Now we've talked about it. I want to go back and watch it again. Uh, I love this movie, and I'm glad that we got to actually review it. And I'm glad I I got an excuse to watch it again because I it's a movie that I remember liking again, but I didn't know like you know what my thoughts really were on it because it had been a number of years since we since I watched it. So. I really adore this movie. I think it's a great one. Uh, I'm going uh, to give it a 9 out of 10. I'm going to give it a very strong recommend from me.
1: Sicario is equal parts thrilling and equal parts thought-provoking. We're taken into the war on drugs, maybe as we've never seen it before. It's horrifying, it's shocking, and most of all, troubling. Not just the cartel side of things, but also where the line is with the U.S. involvement, and are we crossing it? Emily Blunt gives an emotionally resonating performance as an outsider who's involved but comes to realize she's barely scratching the surface. It's fascinating Denis and writer Sheridan blend an international spy type of film with a war movie, but one that's happening in the homeland, making this a fairly unique endeavor. Many sequences rival that of what Nolan could craft while Deakin cinematography transports us to the battle zone of the southern border. Despite coming out six years ago, the plot is still more relevant than ever, with more illegal immigrants projected to cross the southern border this year than ever before. Returning to Sicario in 2021, I'm left with the question, what is the government's actual motives concerning the southern border and the war on drugs? These difficult questions combined with a war-slash-espionage aesthetic make Sicario a uniquely fascinating film. I am so eager to return to this movie. Sicario receives nine stars out of 10 with a high recommend.
0: Well, again, Denise still is scoring high for us. Uh, I guess this is not like like many things, not super surprising, (laughs) Uh, but I'm excited to see where else we're going to go, because next week with Arrival, that's more of uh one for all audiences I feel or from what I remember it was for it was a movie that was meant for more audiences not necessarily one that's a you know a political border drama like like this one is. Mm-hmm. Next week is P213. Um I'm mean, interesting I'm I'm interested to see where Denise is gonna take it. I remember I watched it only one time and I remember liking it a lot. So I'm really excited to come back to it
1: uh next week. I am interested to come back to Arrival. I've only seen it once I saw it in my home theater. I got to be honest, Alan, I did doze a little bit during it. I wasn't crazy about mm-hmm. it. So seeing that it has somewhat, it does have higher scores in some categories and or not some categories in some places than Sicario. This is according to Rotten Tomatoes critics, Denise best film with a overwhelming 94% certified fresh. I mm. I don't know. It has a higher IMDb score, a higher Letterboxd score. The I won't give away too much. The Cinema score is not as high, but uh, I don't know. I'm curious that people love this movie so much. It it got more Academy Award nominations than any of his other movies combined. I remember it just being okay, but maybe I'm really missing something. So I'm I'm actually very I'm I guess I should say I'm excited, but I'm apprehensive. I don't want to get my hopes up too much.
0: Yeah, but that's the discussion for.
1: A week from now. That's right.
0: Is this one that you would pick up on Blu-ray if you don't already have it?
1: I do already have it. I got the 4K for Christmas a few years ago. Listeners, Ooh. keep an eye out during Black Ooh. Friday um, because this 4K does get pretty cheap. I think it was around the $599, $699 range around the Black Friday, and I knew oh. I had to have it. So I put it on my Christmas list. I got it. I did get to watch it in 4k for this review and it just deacon cinematography in 4k. It just looks completely gory. glorious. (laughs) (laughs) It looks completely glorious uh, with the HDR. If, if anything, check it out on 4k. So definitely I'm, I'm so happy to own it. Uh, Actually, I think once we get off of this, I'm going to go pop it back on again. I I can't wait to rewatch it.
0: Well, now that I know that the God, that the 4K is real cheap, I might have to look into that because uh, I got it, like I mentioned, I already have this Blu-ray and I probably would have purchased it at some point um, if it wasn't already given me to me, But it, which it was. But now that I know that um, the 4K is relatively cheap on Black Friday and that's coming up somewhat soon, I might have to look into getting that because uh, even, though I, even though I don't have a 4K player, at some point I know I'll be upgrading um i'm definitely gonna have to get this again that would dip a little bit but i would even if i didn't own it i would be buying it on blu-ray uh because after watching it this time oh yeah absolutely i want this on blu-ray yeah i gotta say it's worth
1: the upgrade
0: i i believe it i for a movie like this i believe that the 4k is definitely the best option you can get for it Uh, I know sometimes 4K will come out and in reality they're only upscaled and they don't look as good as Blu-rays, but I believe this one looks absolutely amazing. Well, Corbin, what other recommendations do you have after watching Sicario?
1: I am going to be recommending, well, actually Tony Scott's Denzel Washington film, Man on Fire, which is another incredible kind of... um, This one actually has to do more so with kidnappings in Mexico and not necessarily drugs, where... Denzel Washington goes down to work for a wealthy American family in Mexico City. Their young daughter, played by Dakota Fanning, gets kidnapped and he has to go into the Mexican underworld to save her. It is Hmm. thrilling. It is fascinating. The writing is great. And there is actually a um, surprising Christian redemptive element to it. So um, if if you're not grabbing for the box of tissues uh, by the end, it's a really powerful movie. Check out Man on Fire. Um, I'm also going to be recommending True Detective, which is a very gritty um, crime investigative film as well. Not for everyone. Uh, Deeply troubling, but it is phenomenal. Cinematography as well is truly incredible. And I'm also going to be recommending, I'm I'm wondering if this is also going to be under your recommends, Alan. I'm going to be recommending No Country for Old Men. I got such a No Country for Old Men vibe with this movie, especially at the end. Ah, yes.
0: Uh, I actually, you, I, it's not on my list, but now that you mentioned it, I should have put it on my list of recommendations. Uh, man, that is a good one. So I'm going to be recommending War Dogs. It's got Jonah Hill and Miles Teller in it. We watched that one together somewhat recently. It's, it was pretty good, Um, has a similar feeling to it, uh, but I'm really wanting to recommend Hell or High Water. Oh, Now yeah. that I've seen Sicario and they are similar in a lot of ways and the same writers on both movies, um, I really want to go back and watch Hell or High Water again. I own it on Blu-ray. Uh, I remember when I watched it, I remember loving the crap out of it. So now that I've seen Sicario, I really want to go back and watch Hell or High Water. And hopefully, maybe someday we'll review it. I That would be interesting. It'd be an inter- interesting conversation.
1: Yeah, I would love to go back and watch that. I only saw it once as well. I saw it at home. I missed it in theaters. But that movie was phenomenal i mean my dad and i really enjoyed it yeah and it got some oscar nominations too yeah i should have recommended i'm gonna recommend that one too i really want to go back and watch that but i actually really want to go back and um watch sicario 2 now i know it's not it's not a denis film we're Mm not um going to be reviewing sicario 2 currently taylor sheridan did write the screenplay though i remember it being not as good Um, Check out my letterbox rating if you want to know what my rating and original review of it was, but I actually really do want to go back and see what I think of the second movie now.
0: Yeah, I do too. Uh, I I remember we talked about it after we had both seen it. Uh, You're right. I remember it being not as good, but surprisingly not as, uh, I guess, what I thought it was going to be with a sequel to Sicario like we see often with movies like this. Maybe someday we'll review that one too, but uh, you got me interested to watch uh, Hell or High Water and also Sicario 2. All right, well, is, speaking of Sicario 2, it didn't take very long after the release of Sicario uh, to get a sequel or to at least mandate a sequel. Lionsgate commissioned a sequel in September 2015, months after the release of, no, not even months, literally the same month that came out, they wanted a sequel to oh, Sicario. Wow. Um, they wanted, to f- but they wanted to focus on Benicio do Toro's character. Yeah, I know there was also a trailer from Cicar- for Sicario One that f- was kind of focused more on. Uh, the trailer of uh, the character of Alejandro but yeah that's Lionsgate wanted a movie based around him so mm. you mentioned that uh, Taylor Sheridan was going to come back he they did want to want to be overseen by Taylor Sheridan and Denis Villeneuve I don't remember I don't know how much of uh, Denis had involvement in it um, but it ended up releasing in 2018 and like we mentioned maybe someday we'll talk about it mm-hmm. but there was a sequel pretty quick after release they Lionsgate wanted a sequel for this yeah well, listeners, the question of the show is, would you sign the paper?
1: Mm. Hmm.
0: Wow. That's a tough question. <laughs> that is a, yeah, that's, that is a tough question.
1: <laughs> a I tough mean, one. you know, my moral compass says no, but in real life, I mean, when it, when it got a gun right on you, it'd be pretty hard to, um, pretty hard to say no. I, I would probably end up, saying yes and then figuring out a way to go get witness protection and, and then didn't tell the truth afterwards
0: <laughs> right right if you could walk away from it yeah yeah uh i'm with you it, that's a that's a rough question i don't even know myself you know of course we can say oh i wouldn't sign the paper but when you're at gunpoint things are a lot different i don't know all right well corbin Thank you for joining me. Sure thing. Listeners, definitely come back next week. We'll be talking about Arrival, uh, continuing our Denivo Nav retrospective. So we'll see you then. We'll see you next week, listeners.
1: Hey, listeners, it's Corbin. Don't forget to check out the exciting links in the description below that will connect you with more great movie reviews for your listening pleasure and our YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter page. And of course, our official website where you can read great articles and sign up for our free weekly newsletter. Also, if you want exclusive bonus content such as extra movie reviews, movie commentaries, and our thoughts on the latest movie news and trailers, plus more, then check out our Patreon page. It's a great way to help keep this show free, and it gives you great content that's yours to keep. All of that and more is found in the description below. Don't forget to subscribe whether you're on YouTube, Apple, or google or stitcher or your favorite podcast service and while you're at it please leave us a five-star review so other movie lovers can more easily find our podcast we love talking about movies and we love talking about them with you so don't forget to share with your friends and family and we'll see you next week listeners Getting a call from unknown,
0: uh, decline. I guess
1: it must be the cartel. The cartel has heard you and they're you not. No, I happy. gotta
0: say, I gotta say, Corbin. I'll
1: oh, go ahead. No, I was just making a joke. I said the cartel heard you and they're not happy, so they're calling you. <laughs> I, I guess so. <laughs> <laughs>
0: they're they're on my tail now. Crap. <laughs> For me I'm going to have War Dogs. Uh, we watched that one together pretty recently. Uh, I thought oh, it was yeah. pretty good with uh what's his name?
1: Uh Jonah Hill. And
0: now it's it just it, it just yeah, Jonah Hill what's the other guy's name?
1: Miles Teller? Is he in it?
0: Yeah, that's it. Okay. All right. I guess I'll re say what I just said and I ruined it. <laughs> All right, well, Corbin. Thank you for joining me. Um Sure thing. i not going to say anything else after that. <laughs> I don't know where I
1: was going with that. <laughs>